Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're hanging out here. Lindsey Whalen, 10 o'clock today. Derek Wetmore will come in and continue to apologize for his Twins Are Dead take from three weeks ago. Remember that one? That's going to happen at like 1130. That was a hot take. Uh, We're going to start with, let's do a little State of the Twins to start off with here, Judd, because something interesting happened late in that game that probably shouldn't have happened. Adrian's is on the move. Grossman shoots one out toward right center field. Chris Young is not going to get there. One hops the fence. Trout gets it back in quickly, being waved around as Adrianza. Quick relay by Kinsler, and he is out at home. Here's the pitch on its way. That's lined into left field. That's going to drop in for a base hit. Young is going to be waved home. There will be no throw. He scores. Walk-off RBI single by Cozart. Angels with the victory here today. Win it 2-1. to one. All right, There's been a lot of things. This has been an up-and-down season for the Twins so far. There's been, in the first month and a half, a lot of things to uh, to be annoyed at. A lot of things to celebrate, too. Like the fact that they're still in this thing after uh, the, the eight straight losses. But Adrianza getting thrown out at home plate is top three most annoyed I've been by a Twins player or, or the Twins as a team this year so far. All right. Like... There's no reason for him to get thrown out of home plate. Well, he was off. He he's off with was the pitch. Off with the pitch. Grossman hits the ball uh, to the fence in right field. What they didn't show, I don't, unless I missed this on Fox Sports North. What they didn't show was, and Lavelle tweeted this from the stadium. He stopped around second base because he wasn't sure if the ball was going to be caught. Now, if you saw it on TV, there, there was no question that that ball was not going to be caught. I would think so it'd be that's even more obvious when you're me. on the field, by So the that's way. what confused me a bit. If that had been more of a fly ball that, that fell in, I'd be like, oh, yeah, of course you stopped. But if you're off with that pitch, how are you not basically on third base by the time that the ball gets picked up? I mean, because he's not a slow runner. It's it it feels like oh, like second guessing, like obvious second guessing of a professional baseball player. You guys are sitting on your couches. Well, okay, couple things. Let's say there was it was a hit and run, so he's he should be anyways looking in to see where the ball is hit, and then looking out to see if it's going to be caught. Right, like um, unless he thought it was a straight steal and his head's down and he hears the bat. Oh, where'd the ball go? Mm-hmm. Unless he lost track of the ball, which I guess okay, but. Great base runners don't lose track of the ball in that situation. If that ball is caught, it's the right fielder, right? It was the right fielder. Yeah, or, okay, the right, the right field. Because yeah, right it was right center field. Yep. The right fielder with his back to first base, which is the base that you'd have to go back and get to if he caught the ball. Yep. If he catches it as he's running on a dead sprint with his back to the infield, like he'd be catching it with momentum going toward the wall on the warning track, uh-huh. would have to stop, turn all the way around, and then make a throw all the way to first base. You could be standing... 
a third of the way to third base and still get back to first base if that guy catches it. So that's not an excuse either. Unless you have a piano let, strapped to... Did you have the, three pianos strapped to your back? Dave, I was so annoyed by this. Dave, it's I, a ninth grade baseball I want, mistake. I want the record to show that the Twins <laughs> went on a road trip that began... a. More than a week ago in Chicago, they won 7 of 10. They swept the Cardinals. They split the series yes. against the tough Angels team. And I'm being negative. And I want the record to show that at 9.01 a.m. on this beautiful Monday morning, it is Phil Mackey. Mm-hmm. It is Phil Mackey who opens the show with a base running gripe. It's Judd true. Zolgad is nowhere near the complaint right now. That is un- Thank you. Yeah, unimaginable, I would think, it before true. today. That's true. But, my God, Phil, take a breath. It was. It's true. Ninth grade baseball compared to your players. Okay, yeah. this isn't quite Judd coming back from vacation after the Twins took three of four from the White Sox. By the way, the last three of the four nope. game series was not a vacation. And bitching about I went to a graduation. That's not a vacation. It's a Part- family commitment. Okay, well, but- you went to that Hickory place, right? That's Hickory great. Park restaurant. was very good. Yeah. It's not a vacation. It's not quite you reaching back like five days prior and complaining about the Thursday loss. It was a vacation for his diet, not for actual <laughs> what, life. What diet? <laughs> There was Good no point. diet this weekend. No diet in play. Score the run. Yeah, you're. I don't disagree with you, but you, you score the run. They probably go on. They they might even score more runs because now you've got because they went on to like put extra guys on base, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I was I was irrationally annoyed by that. All obviously, I, if you can't tell. All I know, boys, is that when Fernando Romero opposes Otani, that's a scorebook game, gentlemen. That's a. I got the scorebook out wow, yesterday. That is a handwritten. Is I this did, the one you paid thirty dollars yes, for, is. like this three is my, years ago? Yes, and I've now and you're scored only about ten, 10 pages in. Ten pages into it, but I. That's amazing. But it was, what, what, that what, was a fun game to watch. What are the highlights for? Uh, the highlights are for uh, critical plays during the course of this game. Let's see what By we the way, got here. Uh, it looks like you yeah. used a, a blue pen. I did. It takes I a, a confident pen. scorekeeper. Oh, I got big ones. When it comes to keeping score, I'm, I'm Cassell like. I'm Cassell. I've been doing this for a long time. I didn't just start yesterday, boys. Now, you, say, you say you highlight big plays there? I highlight significant plays that we might might end up touching on on the show, yes. Oh, which ones? Okay. Do you highlight them in real time, or do you go back after the inning and say, yeah, this was a big one? Uh, usually real time. That takes brass ones too. So, oh yeah, I do because not. It's possible I'm like, cocky when it comes to scorekeeping. A keeping. big double might not be big if the yeah. next two guys strike out. So how do you? Well, let's see what we got here. Uh, let's see here. Here uh, we got um, the Justin Upton uh, struck out looking on an 87 mile per hour breaking pitch from Fernando to end the, the third. Fantastic pitch, Frozen. Did you write the he miles per hour down there too? Of course I did. Yeah. Do you, do you write miles per hour for every pitch? No, 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 no. Just the key just, pitches. Just the key pitches. Yeah, good. Just yeah, the key pitches. You don't want to cheapen the other pitch. Yeah. Uh, you don't want to cheapen the big ones. Uh, fast forward to the bottom of the seventh when uh, Cole Calhoun gets pin, pinch hit for by Mike Trout and uh, David Rackley, home plate umpire, calls a very questionable, but actually not a bad call. The high, high strike, strike three on Trout. Fox Tracker had it right on the right on the top end of the strike zone. I wrote, "Wow, high strike." <laughs> Now, now, I'm not done yet. Now, the next play. Boy, that is. Uh, the next play is. That's insight right there. Is, is Zach Cozart still on first base? One out. And uh, Taylor Rogers had come in to pitch, I believe, by this point, or, or Presley had. Wait, wait, wait. You should probably know if it's you have Presley. Book. It's Presley. So, you sure? A- yeah. Anyway, or did you write it in pen and now you're no, not no, sure? No, 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 no. You can't change it. I mark. I mark the changes of the pitchers with a with a line in pen as well. And so after the fifth, Fernando came out. 
and gave way to Taylor Rogers. And then Rogers came out with one out in the seventh and gave way to Presley. Right. Let me ask you this. If yeah. you were scoring that Mets game last week, that day game where they batted out of order and had to like sabotage the all, first inning. All hell breaks loose. Would then. would Judd Zolgad, expert scorer with a pen, have caught that as the hitter was walking to the plate? Would he have Oh yeah. Well it depends. It it depends on if I had what I don't know is did the did the announced lineup on TV mirror the correct one or the incorrect one? It's a good question. I so don't know. if I didn't it mirrored the, the incorrect one, I catch it. I once in a in a front yard baseball game in my house, and it, it was two on two. So it was my two friends playing me and my friend. They batted out of order. I busted them for it and called the guy out. Well, how incompetent do you have to be to bat out of <laughs> order if you only have but two guys saying, on your team? I the mean, answer to your question is if I had the correct offense. lineup, absolutely. Uh, so the, the last thing that I high, highlighted here was the Justin Upton ground ball to third base, and Maurer made the great play at first base yeah. to pick it for for the DP, and I wrote by that, Lomo, no way he scoops it. Now, look at this. that That's insight right so, there. Editorialism in the scoreboard? Oh, yeah, you don't get the fact, it's the supposed fact to be is, factual. Dave, fact. Dave, do you make a little, like, when you're scoring for the ninth graders, do you ever make little rips like that, little, like, Boy, boy, no. boy, Johnny never would have scooped that. No, ball. that's that's usually taken care of in tryouts. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, we all take it. We all take care of that type of stuff at different times. <laughs> wow. That's, so the uh, fact that because Joe made a great play there, he did, and that is the type of play that that's is why true. he is a Gold Glove first baseman. That's true. So uh, we, that was a highlight. We uh, we need to fire up an episode here. Real quick ding, the, ding. The hot take, police. Grossman goes down, looking two down. Got him swinging. Down goes Petit. Fastball. That's a Got him pitch. looking. Got him swinging. Down goes Kepler. Shohei strikes out the side. Good morning, good afternoon, good night. Swing and a miss. Down goes Rosario. 11th strikeout of the afternoon for Shohei Otani. Hot Take Cops is recorded on location with the men and women of Sports Talk. All suspects are innocent until proven guilty in right. Hot Take Court. Need a ruling on this one. If I saw the quote correctly after the game, I believe this is from our guy Dan Hayes, the athletic. Mm-hmm. And I'm paraphrasing it because I couldn't, I couldn't find the exact quote, but I know I saw some semblance of this. That uh, Logan Morrison praised Mike Trout for being this amazing player. Yes. And then said, but... You saw this correct. With how great Shohei Otani is pitching and hitting, Shohei Otani might be the best player in the world right now. Is that a hot take? Is Shohei Otani? Yes, and that's exactly what he said. Yes, it's, I've got the quote right. Best player hot. in the world, right? It's hot. I don't know if it's hot. It se- it seems hot, but this guy, how many strikeouts did he have? Was eleven. Eleven in like six innings. Yep. Which which now on the season his ERA is. Uh, let me see here. So this is just Shohei as a pitcher. His ERA is, it's right around four, but he has like 11 strikeouts per nine innings. You saw the stuff he was throwing up there. Uh, as a hitter, he's batting 348 with an OPS of 1,044. And that's in limited plate appearances, too. He has uh, five home runs, 16 RBIs. He doesn't, he doesn't play every day as a hitter. So if you're that good as a hitter, and you're also that good as a pitcher, yeah. Is it really a hot so take to say that you're the best player in the world? It's hot, but that doesn't mean it's wrong. Are you... Wait, 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 though. I'm, I'm confused here. So you you have now uh, pulled 
the vehicle to the side of the road. Are are you? This is a getting hot take in the breathalyzer car, right now. But are are you going to? Are, are you about to jump in the car as well? Why would so I? Are as, you a, saying, as a hot take police officer, why would I, I jump in the car? Because I feel like you're you're saying that this is not only not potentially a hot take, but it's a spot on take. Well, or am I, I wrong in my interpretation here? I'm pulling over Logan Morrison on suspicion of hot takery. Okay. And I'm asking the other officers at the scene here, who I've called over to the okay, scene. Okay, all right, I got you. To help me make a determination. I don't think, after after investigating, listen, I, he rolled his window down. I've had a <laughs> discussion a, with Logan. Just to crack, though, so you can't smell his breath. And he makes a good point. He makes a good Hi, point. Officer. If you're one of the best hitters in the world, and you're one of the best pitchers in the world, and nobody else can say that they're both, are you the best baseball player in the world? Um, hold on a second. How, I don't think how it's can that I, hot. How can I put this? I think it's hot. Like Mike Trout's the best hitter in the world, but but he can't pitch. I think there's different levels of hot takes. There's the hot take where you're clearly inebriated and you're weaving all over the road and you're just you know you have no reason to say what you should be saying. Oh no, that's mostly like what you get on the ride with Royce with yeah. Weavers, right? And then there's the hot takes where you're going 80 and a 60. You know, maybe the cop pulls you over, but you say, look. My wife is in labor. We're going to the hospital. I'm sorry. I needed to step on it. Very confident. And the cop yeah. says, you know what? You've got a great reason. You're, you're spot on. You go. And yeah. I'll lead the way. I'll lead the way, which I always love. Yeah. I think this I'm might be one of those hot takes. Yeah. I think we're dealing. I think what we're de- dealing with here on this show for the first time in the history of the hot take police is what I would call a PPHT. <laughs> that would be a potentially premature hot take. <laughs> Sir, we're dealing with a PPHT here, and uh, you're gonna have to step out now. You're not in trouble. We don't think Is you're drunk. A, a PPHT niner? Is there a niner on there? Well, I didn't put one on, but you certainly could. But the the PPHT is it's we don't know yet. It's May fourteenth. Is that correct? That's it true. Is, yeah. Yes. So I so I, think, I would think you'd have that in your scorebook. So I think. Did I write down the date in my scorebook? I hope I did. I did. Good. Five thirteen eighteen. I did. I wrote down in my scorebook. Um, but I, I think it's it's premature to to say that Morrison's right about this. But if we get into August and it's still trending this way, this successful, then it might be dead. I'm on. Just saying, like most pitchers who can do this, right? Like an ERA around four uh, with with eleven strikeouts per nine as a starting pitcher. Which isn't the best pitcher in the world, but it's like that's that's really good. That's Chris Archer type stuff right there. You'd be like the fifteenth or twentieth best pitcher in the right. world. Yeah. We and then you him. put a bat. Well, you put a bat in that guy right now. <laughs> you can have him. We'll leave him there. You put a bat in that guy's hand, and what happens? He hits like a buck fifty, right? Sure. And then if you flip it around, okay, Mike Trout. Maybe he's not quite as good at the plate as Mike Trout. Okay, Mike Trout, you're on the mound. Go get it. You're not going to strike out eleven batters yeah. per nine. He might. He, Lomo might be right. I'm leading the way I to the hospital for Logan Morris. I here. think he's early, and I think that this is an, an assessment that we. I think this is a hot take that we don't need to try and make until at the earliest August or so. You could make it right now. There's no reason you can't change it in August. Right, but who's the best baseball premature? player in the world right now, Judd? I'm Mike Trout. It's right. show. It's show. It's Shohei Otani. It's Shohei Otani. I believe that your sample size is too small right now. It might be, sir. It's a problem. It's it's a sample size thing. Okay. <laughs> You, Mr. Sample Size, should know that among all these people. Let's just note this. You say Mike Trout's the best baseball player in the world, Judd. 
Phil says it's Shohei Otani. They both play for the same team that the Twins just split on the road. And Phil's still mad about Adrian Rianza not able to run first to home. You're still mad. You just split a series with the team that has the two greatest baseball players in the world right now. I expect more. What is the matter with you? We start the show stuck in the weeds of poor... Adrian's are trying to run the bases. I hope I hope they left him in Los Angeles, okay? I hope they left him at the airport next to baggage claim. <laughs> they told him to get to the airport at 7. He showed up at 7.05. Wow. <laughs> See what you did there. It's good. Um, Lindsey Whalen at the top of the hour. Derek Wetmore. The apology tour will continue at 11.30 for Derek Wetmore. Uh, when we come back here, this is maybe as reckless as it gets when it comes to reckless wolf speculation. We'll just leave it there. Reckless wolf speculation when we come back. Mackie and Judd are back. Man, that sounds good. On 1500 ESPN. Hey, we're getting a lot of reaction here on this. This is a controversial hot take police episode here. Because it's a first. Logan Morrison said Shohei Otani is the best baseball player in the world, all due respect to Mike Trout, because the guy can throw 100 miles an hour and is one of the better starting pitchers in baseball. Like, look what he did to the Twins lineup yesterday. Uh, let's see here. Is it Newt tweets in? Does Trout's feeling have no impact on your hot take analysis? No, it does. He's one of the best center fielders in baseball. So if maybe maybe if Shohei played actual defense instead of DH, like if you put him in right field or something, and he could take away some runs defensively, and he's doing he's doing the run prevention thing in right field, he's doing the hitting thing. Well, what you know, are three, the four days a week, and he's throwing hundred miles an hour. What are the bad the shortcomings when it comes to Otani? He doesn't play the day before he pitches because they're trying to protect his right arm because he bats left, which is weird because he, like he could get hit in the arm two days before a start. He can't. He can't play, or he can. He does not play in the field. He does not uh, hit on days he pitches because if he gets hit hard and gets blown out, then they don't have use of the DH for the rest of that game. But among the things that he can control, he's done really well. It's just early. I just said it's premature. We're in a we're we're in a period of time now where I think before we crown him, as Danny Green once said, before you crown his ass, you just have to wait and see. Yes, he is who, he is who we thought he is. Shohei Otani might be exactly right. Uh, all right, this is reckless speculation. This is juicy. Let's put we got to give this incredible some dis- context. Some, some here. disclaimers on this. <laughs> the Mackie and Judd show is not responsible for what's going to be said right now. We uh, when did we start our, our reckless speculation? Was that back in uh, football season? Yes. Like Kirk Cousins was the, it was reckless. So the br- the brand has been alive for like three or four months on the show. Right? Yes. Reckless speculation. And when it comes to quarterback speculation or trade speculation, no vetting needed. If it's on a website. That you can Google, like it's part oh, of our right, show, because right? it's not personal. This is more personal, and you and I both tried to confirm this, and it's I didn't I didn't get any uh, I didn't get anyone refuting it, mm-hmm. but no one could confirm that this happened. So we're just going to read this. This is as reckless as it gets from Travis Check on Twitter. He's a contributor to Canis Hoopus, the Wolves blog. I would frame this as there's no confirmation, but it's out there and it's public. Yes. And so it's not something that, that we were told privately, and therefore I think it's fair game. Okay, that's fair. But you and I did both try to independently right. confirm this. And, and we are we not condoning irresponsibility right now. But oh, if you oh, are going to be irresponsible, we might well, read it on the air. We will. So, But we're not yeah. condoning it. All right, this is from the Twitter account of Travis Check. Again, he's a he's a contributor to to Canis Hoopus according to his Twitter bio. 
had a conversation with someone. This is like a six-part tweet. I'm just going to read the whole thing. Had a conversation with someone I know that works in the Wolves front office. Been debating whether or not to share what we talked about. This person from the Wolves front office gave me permission, he says. It's nothing groundbreaking, but it's an insight. I disagree, by the way. It is. It's very intriguing. It's nothing groundbreaking, but it's an insight into what's going on at Mayo Clinic Square right now. Might have broke something. Essentially, things inside the front office are significantly worse slash more hostile than we thought, which is what Doogie's been saying on our show for two months now, by the way. Their words, referring to the front office person, were, quote, walking on eggshells when referring to everyone fearing for their jobs. Then, yesterday, so this would have been like Thursday, he's referring to, Tom Thibodeau and Scott Layden got into a screaming match, which, according to my source, led to Tibbs throwing a computer monitor through a glass office wall. Layden then excused most employees to take an extended lunch. That's not (laughs) earth-shaking? Okay, I'm going to I'm going to jump ahead it real quick cuz he clarified. He said some of this is a bit exaggerated. No glass was shattered, but the altercation absolutely happened from a completely anonymous source. This is the closest I've gotten to confirmation. So that that so an anonymous source told him, "Well, it's not they didn't shatter glass, but but there was a big altercation." From other conversations with this person, I've gotten the sense that Tibbs screaming isn't out of the norm when the employees actually see Tom around. But the escalation did... We could have told you that from games. Right. But but I think he's referring to, like, in the office. That's the tone of this tweet. Okay. But the escalation did seem to surprise them. This could amount to nothing, but things are far from settled inside the front office, and more changes seem to be coming. At the very least, it seems that Tom Thibodeau is feeling the heat. I have three questions for you. Let's start with number one. Does this seem plausible to you? Yeah, of course it does. I think it does to me. It's too. totally plausible, yes. right? I mean, there's not there's nothing about that that it seems like because he he walked back the fact to make it clear that that glass didn't shatter. People get in screaming matches, I'm sure, all the time. Yes, it seems it's totally just, plausible. And if it's just a monitor, like you and I were talking before the show, it'd have to be a hefty old school block monitor, Apple to shatter right glass, there. right? I mean, we've yeah. got these like flat screen monitors that are in, in the production studio here. What are these like? These are like eight pounds. If you threw this as hard as you could at, at the glass, I don't know if it would even make a dent. No, Judd, don't actually do it. Here's the problem. Let's test though. it. <laughs> the monitors. If we're talking an actual monitor on a desktop computer, that's got at least two plugs in the back. You got a power cord, and you got the one connecting it to the actual computer. Usually, that one's got screws in it, right? Yeah. So you'd have to have Tibbs reaching around the back. I'm I'm really mad right well. now. I'm I'm so. Just, I'm going to show you how mad I am. It's like a Jim Jeffries stand-up routine. Dang it, this thing won't... Ah, finally got it. <laughs> hey, secretary, switch the monitor. Well, you know, you ever watch like the WWF Action. pay-per-views back in the day when they had the old, like, the, the big-time rectangular monitors, and you just rip those things off the table, and the cords come flying out. Yeah, yes, it's possible. And then you throw them. They're heavy. You know what They're I like think? 15 pounds. I think I got it. I think that, that it's plausible that, he, that Dave's right. He picked it up and went to throw it. And it sort of the cord sort of stuck, and so it it weakened the impact of the monitor itself against the glass. Or maybe it didn't even quite get to the right, glass. so it wouldn't have broken it because of all, of those cords. It's good, or the so glass breaking. The glass breaking could have been the monitor, right? Like it could maybe. Oh, the, sure. Um, my second question is: If you were in a room with Tom Thibodeau screaming, and he went to go pick up something heavy, <laughs> what would you do? I'd go to lunch and. 
and not come back for the rest of my career with him. <laughs> Change my undies? That'd be it. I'd be like, Tom, uh, we'll see. We'll catch you around the bend. Hi, right, Dwayne Casey, what's your next job? Yeah, well, he's available. Yeah, I know he is. And uh, it's possible Glenn Taylor might have some regrets from 10 years ago. Uh, so that would be my next move. They had to have been arguing if this is true, by the way, which is a huge if, like if this is true. And you and I tried to confirm this. I was texting with Doogie last night. I'm like, what do you think? Like he and he was and he couldn't confirm it either. So I don't know. But, you know, I don't know why something like this, if it's true that a story like this comes from someone inside the organization. Yep. And I don't have any reason to believe that this that this blogger would be just making this up out of whole cloth. Um well, here's the question. Like, even if like fifty percent of it is true, it's here's my question. Amazing. Here's my question for you. Then, are are there enough anti Tibbs people within that organization now that they might start to float stuff to try oh, for and, sure. and make him look terrible for sure? Because well, he already there, there's enough to there's enough stuff that we know that, that makes him look bad. But I imagine if he's a guy that you work for and the animosity grows and grows, do you start to leak stuff out that is is either not true or of you know portion of the truth reckless speculation right. well let's let's answer that question when we come back here by the way if you want to chime in on this say hey if you, if have you any, know if, if, if you know if you something, have any anonymous wolves sources you don't have to that, give yeah. your name just tell us what you know 651-646-8255-877-615-1500 uh i know you used to cover when you were at the star tribune especially you covered some Pretty like tumultuous years with the Vikings, and let's dive into what you just brought up, which is when stuff comes out, it's not always one hundred percent truth, but there's a reason why stuff comes out, and there's a lot of stuff coming out right now. Yes, Mackie and Judd, reckless wolf speculation, Lindsey Whalen in thirty minutes, Bill Mackey. that boy, it's crazy, Judd Zolgad. I like the guy, yeah, but he says goofy stuff. Mm-hmm. Mackie and Judd on fifteen hundred ESPN. <laughs> Reckless speculation. Reckless speculation. All right. Oh, this is great. Um, I don't know. Like this, this story that a Candace Hoopus blogger put out over the weekend that Scott Layden and Tom Thibodeau got into a screaming match in the office, and Tibbs may or may not have thrown a computer monitor into a glass office wall. May or may not have broken. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think, and then the context of the tweets was, hey, this is someone from the inside who gave me permission to send this out. And that leads to, whether this is 100% true or not, the fact that now we know, and you've confirmed this, Doogie has confirmed this, that Scott Layden did confront Jim Peterson about being too negative on broadcasts, uh, that Tibbs and Layden have instructed coaches not to talk to Jim Peterson, that Glenn Taylor sat down with Tom Thibodeau multiple times this year to discuss Tibbs' sideline behavior. A lot of us have heard about just un- unrest and walking on eggshells behind the scenes that it's just sort of a toxic environment under Tom Thibodeau. It's pretty likely that there's people behind the scenes where there's smoke, there's fire, right? That maybe maybe it's not 100% of these things are fully true, but that there's 75% truth over here and 50% so, truth over there. I'll give you a workplace angst and in, in my opinion of how that can work at times. Because you covered the Vikings for yeah. a long time. And so because executives and coaches screaming at each other, even in 2018, is not is not that big of a deal. It happens all the time. So if Layden and Tibbs, or if, if Tibbs and somebody uh, who, who had enough juice to, uh, to maintain his or her job got into a screaming match, that's not surprising. 
the monitor thing to me, though, it indicates that because we've heard that there is is so much unrest within the wolves, that to me is the next step towards being like, well, this didn't really happen, but it sounds bad. And, and if you think if you work for the team and you work for Tibbs and you're just sick of the entire thing. And you think to yourself, if Glenn Taylor sees this, it's going to change things. Because if you just say, well, Layden and Tibbs were screaming today, Glenn Taylor might be like, oh, but he's not going to say, that's it. If you happen to float that there might have been a monitor floating through the air and it maybe could have broken and maybe didn't. So I question that. But what I don't question is it's really clear that everyone at that place is probably to, to a point now where they just are miserable and they are all to a place where where the workplace atmosphere is probably off. Yeah, and I wor- think that's worth to adding say. too. Like you don't hear stories like this from San Antonio or Boston right now or Golden State. Like you don't hear about. Yeah, this is a very old school thing, really. Yeah, like it's you, you just you don't hear about it from no. well run, tight knit organizations. Now, is everybody happy behind the scenes at those places? No, of course not. They're big organizations, and there's always going to be. Some people who aren't thrilled with certain things or or different personality types. But uh, another thing, too, and I didn't know how much to read into it at the time, but now that I've thought about it for a week, that story that came out like two weeks ago, Jamal Crawford, who has a player option for $4.5 million. And now I don't think Jamal is a great basketball fit for this team anymore. I still think he can play for somebody. But this team, the last thing this team needs is another ball-centric, volume-scoring kind of a player. Uh, They've got too many of those guys already. Andrew Wiggins is that. Uh, Jeff Teague can be that at times. Jimmy Butler can be that. Uh, Derrick Rose. So, like, they they don't need another guy like Jamal Crawford. But Jamal is almost 40 years old. He's, like, 38 years old. And he just uh, reportedly, he he doesn't have to do this for another month, but he plans on turning down a $4.5 million player option with no guarantees of a better landing spot or more money. Is he guaranteed to find a better playoff team that wants him and wants to play him 20 minutes a night? Is he going to find someone to pay him $4.5 million? My guess is someone pays him the veteran's minimum, and he winds up on an equal or lesser team than the Timberwolves. Like, who is he going to... Are are the Celtics going to sign him and play him 20 minutes? No. Are the Spurs going to sign him and play him 20 minutes? Probably not. That tells you something. Why is he so quick to send this out through the media, I'm out of here. And I and I want teams to know for a month and a half that I'm out of here. And I'm probably going to take less money and maybe go to a, a worse team. Yeah, That's interesting. Well, and he also, if you recall, was that about halfway through the year, came out and complained about his playing time at that point. He could look at Butler also and say, oh, man, this is a lot. Because Jimmy Butler is going to lead this team. As long as Tibbs is here, if you... Find his style to be abrasive or not, he's going to lead this team. So if you're Jamal Crawford and you've been playing this game forever, you might say to yourself, I don't need this. Uh, It's just, this goes back to what we discussed on Friday, which was this whole Wolves thing from the locker room to on the court to off the court has a weird and not right feel to it. It just does. So... The, the thing about this Tib story is if this leaked out or whether true or not, if you heard this story and you said to yourself, that's shocking because the environment there is good, that's one thing. Part of the problem 
when I saw this series of tweets was it didn't surprise me at all. But you've already sort of heard rumblings yeah. and, you, so and you've like, got your own opinions based on what you see on the sidelines. The, o- yeah. the only thing that made me say wow was, was the potential for a computer screen to be going through the air. But besides yeah. that, I was like, I'm not surprised one bit. And think about this too. Whether it's behind the scenes or stories written, people connected to the team, the Johnny Cave, the Doogies, the people who are plugged into this team, right? Have you heard or read one thing about... Tom Thibodeau as a great leader this, behind the scenes. This comes as close as I've gotten since uh, 2010. This reminds me of the end of Childress. Paranoia to a degree that goes off the charts. The only difference is that we have not heard the story of, of a player trying to throw a dumbbell at Tibbs, where Percy Harvin definitely th- threw in at Childress, and they closed the door, and it hit the door. But the, the paranoia, the angst, and, and this all comes back to this, too. You In Childress's case and in Tibbs' case, you are asking people to do too much. And that leads to being paranoid. It leads to being mad. It leads to being frustrated because these people always come back and say, these are all my jobs. And they don't have the ability to do one of your favorite words. They don't have the ability to delegate. Mm-hmm. They just don't. If Scott Layden was truly GM and Tibbs said, okay, I'm in control, but Scott, you are instrumental. Tibbs' life would become much simpler. I don't know that the team would be improved or not, but that's not the point. The point is, if he had hired a GM to really run the team and said, I'm going to work with you, but I'm going to give you the ability and freedom, but he doesn't. So this really does remind me of Childress's last days, which is constant stories where you're just saying, how, how is this person going to maintain this job for the long term? And in Brad's case, he didn't. Were there people, like, I'm not asking you to outsource or anything, but you covered those those Childress teams were there people behind the scenes that actively tried to get information out or tried to play sides? What was- oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And that's what this feels like right now. Yes, yeah. And that, this is when the children's thing, and I, I think this is true in this case as well, it is clearly, it's clear that the smartest people see the ship sinking and they say, I need to get on the right side of that ship. So if Glenn Taylor comes in and says, you know what, gentlemen, Tibbs is gone. If you're a Tibbs guy, guess what you are? You're probably gone. So so this comes down to when things reach this juncture, I think people start to choose sides. And if you're right, you sort of go off with the people who know what they're doing, and you call them up potentially and say, Tibbs is doing this because you don't want to be associated with the wrong side when the changes are made. Oh, this is juicy. 651-646-8255. Will, you're on the show. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Um, I've been saying for months now that Tibbs needs to go. They is just not working with him. Um, and I still feel that way, especially after this story, You know, assuming that it's at least somewhat true. Um, the, the only thing I worry about, though, is if we get rid of Tibbs, is what happens with Jimmy Butler. I mean, he's a free agent after next year. Yeah, you trade him. I think you'd have to. I and think you'd, I want to leave. Yeah. And our guy, our guy Hugh has tweeted this in a couple times, and I don't, I don't hate the idea. Like, if you made that decision, I don't. And Will, thank you for the call. If you made that decision, and that's just an epic amount of money to eat—twenty-four million dollars over three years—you'd um, probably have to trade Jimmy Butler. And our guy Hugh has tweeted this in a couple times, where you just maybe you call up the Spurs and say, "Hey, if you." You got one year of Kawhi over there. We got one year of Butler over here. I might even consider that. I know it will never happen because Jimmy Butler and Tom Thibodeau are tied together. But if you're looking to keep the nucleus younger and uh, and and 
I don't know. I, I I might even just consider that period, but I understand the absurdity of suggesting Tom Thibodeau would trade Jimmy Butler. If you don't I love Jimmy Butler, but come on, the guy's coming off knee surgery. If you're not going to fire Tibbs, and Tibbs is going to stay here, let's say two more years, do you think it's a good idea to give him the authority to give Jimmy Butler a long term contract? Well, he had. I mean. He's going to, Unless, but uh, he's but going to. Like, I don't want Glenn Taylor to. I want Glenn Taylor to hire people and let them run the right, organization. Right, right. But I, my point is this: I think if if you were to fire Tibbs tomorrow and bring in a GM to to run the show and then allow that GM to to hire his own coach, I think that GM looks at Butler and looks at his age, looks at the wear and tear, and doesn't say, "You know what, Jimmy, we love you." I think that GM looks and says, "Let's trade him." And if there's we're like now we're like this is like second and third level inception stuff. Reckless speculation. Like the the nature of that question is like Tom Thibodeau is fired, which like probably isn't going to happen. So even if you're a wolf, I know there's a lot of Wolves fans that would like to see that happen, which is amazing after only two years. Uh, my best guess as to what happens. Let's come back. I got I have a best guess as to what happens. All right. Uh, we'll also get to Lindsey Whalen. We have a Judd soccer take to get to as well. Judd. There's like two covered. Of them. A United game wrote a column for 1500ESPN.com and has soccer takes for the show today. That's going to be fun. We're going to get to that, too. Please listen carefully. Mackie and Judd now continue. Let's go, people. Let's get it going. On 1500 ESPN. Tune in every Tuesday at 6 o'clock p.m. for the Adrian Heath Show presented by Heineken. Each week, Jamie Watson and Adrian Heath We'll be breaking down Minnesota United FC, MLS soccer, and more. All of it right here on 1500 ESPN, Tuesdays at 6. Reckless speculation. Heck of a start. This is great. (laughs) I love this. This is awesome. Actually, you know what? Even though it's a lot of angst about the Timberwolves and there seems to be unrest in the organization and... Tom Thibodeau tends to cause that in Chicago and now apparently in Minnesota with just his style of being a human. Um, but Tough love, I call it. Yeah. But you know what? It's fun for two straight off seasons to be maybe even more than that because you got to go back to the Carl Anthony Towns draft pick. It's been like three straight off seasons of legit wolf speculation. Yeah. So we'll take that. I want to just run a couple things by you here. I think, first of all, I don't think... I don't think Tom Thibodeau gets fired. I still think you're in the window where if it took the Pistons that long after the season to to figure out, yep, Stan Van Gundy's out. I don't think you're out of the woods if we think there's turmoil and Glenn Taylor's not pleased. I don't think you're out of the woods, but I don't think his decision will ultimately be, all right, before June 1st or whatever. No, Tibbs doesn't get fired unless he does something incredibly stupid. Which, who knows? Such as throw something. Yeah. Which which is why which yeah. is why I think that that got included in that series of tweets yeah. because that is the type of thing where if you own the team and your guy is melting down to that degree, if that was true, you yeah. might say to yourself, something has to change here. I so, can't have this. So I think I think he tries to do two things with Scott Layden, uh, just fr- from a strategic standpoint this off season, and this doesn't count trying to sign a couple three point shooters. Like I could see them. There's got to be a couple three point shooters out there, who, wing players who can, who would sign for the mid level exception for like seven million dollars. I think they try to trade Andrew Wiggins. I think Tom Thibodeau goes. I, I think he's been praising Wiggins when he can after that game three against the Rockets to try and not only motivate him a little bit, but but boost some trade value. Not this market and, value, yep. yes. So I think if that was a deal that they explored last year, nothing that happened on the court this year would make you feel great about Wiggins entering that contract. So. Mm-hmm. 
I think he tries to trade Wiggins for a veteran of some kind, whether it's a Kyle Lowry. I don't know if I uh, am in love with a Wiggins for DeRozan swap because DeRozan has wilted in the playoffs. DeRozan's personality with Jimmy Butler's personality, a lot of smart people question that potential mix. But I do think, number one, I do think they kick the tires on, another, on, on, on more Wiggins trade discussions. Yep, I could see that. Secondly, I think they look to extend Jimmy Butler, but I don't know if Jimmy Butler would sign a four-year ironclad deal. Like Some people would say, well, why would you ever turn down like $100 million over four years or whatever? It might even be more than that for Jimmy Butler. I believe Jimmy Butler when he says, and he's on the record, uh, was it the Chicago Sun-Times he talked to a couple weeks ago? Joe Cowley, yes. I believe him when he says, money, like, I've made enough money, not that he's going to play for the veterans minimum, but, like, I don't think he locks into a four-year contract for a team that he's not sure is going to be good in two years. So I think they have some discussions with Jimmy. He's got one year left on his deal. I think he signs, or at least they they wind up discussing something around like a two-year deal, two-year extension, but the second year is a player option, so effectively he'd be under contract for two seasons. I think that Tibbs... And then he can decide to go elsewhere while he's still in his prime. Jimmy and Tibbs are thick as thieves, so my guess is that Tibbs, if Tibbs is going to be honest with any person about how he feels things are going for him and if this is a long-term endeavor or not, I think he might tell Jimmy, and I think that's based upon... So I think Jimmy's future here is based upon what Tibbs tells him. All of that being said... The shorter, the better. The shorter, the better. Because probably if, for both sides. Because if this blow, if this blows up with Tibbs, and if they make the playoffs and and go out in the first round next year, and Tibbs continues to scream and yell and berate people, and more people go to Glenn and say this is not going to work, and Jimmy signed for four or five years, now you're you're stuck with with a guy who's going to age really quickly, and it, and the aging process for Butler has already started. So I would say the ideal for Jimmy and for the team, the shorter, the better. Yeah. Not a long-term deal. And then the other wild card here this offseason, uh, you, you sent this in an email to me. I didn't see this, but this is from a Johnny K. athletic story on uh, Derek Rose. I'm just going to read a couple excerpts here. No question, the Wolves are interested in bringing Derek Rose back. Tibbs certainly heard plenty of questions when he first brought Rose in, but in that role as a combo guard off the bench, Rose was good. He played solid defense, scored well, and was a great teammate. Uh, can he stay healthy for a full season? There's also no question Rose is interested in continuing to play for Tom Thibodeau. These last few years have been chaotic for him, and he wants to play for a coach he knows and trusts. What does it mean for Tyus Jones? Well, his playing time dwindled late in the season and in the playoffs as Rose has increased. He certainly would seem to be a candidate to be traded, which to me, like, if that's true, if, if, I mean, here's what's happening here that we're throwing out a five year sample of Derrick Rose being A, unable to shoot, B, unable to play defense at a high level. And C being ball centric and selfish, and we're going to crown him for being for basically not being a disaster in the playoffs, and say goodbye to a really promising twenty one year old first round draft pick. If this That's ridiculous, this should be this should be a time where somebody, even Glenn, comes to Tom and says, "You're not doing this. You're not trading Tyus, and we are not we are not going to actually make Derrick Rose a key part of, of this team." Because I'll tell you what the steps are. Tibbs scares me enough now. I'll tell you what the steps are for Tibbs. Tibbs trades Tyus. Derrick Rose is is the backup to Teague to start next year. And then Derrick starts to play pretty well. Because Derrick might have a stretch of games where he can play per- pretty well. Derrick gets more responsibility and more responsibility. And Tibbs thinks to himself, my God, I've done it. I've recreated my Bulls. My Bulls are back. 
and he plays Derrick Rose way too much. This makes zero sense. This is a move that the owner should block. But the owner should the owner shouldn't have to no. block. Like if you hire the right people that you trust, no, I'm you shouldn't telling have you, to block them from making te- moves as GM. That's ridiculous. I'm, I'm telling you, in this dysfunctional manner in which things are running, Glenn Taylor <laughs> should block this move. First of all, you don't Think trade about Tyus. How incompetent that is. You I'm not even disagreeing. You with don't you, trade Tyus. But second of all, Derek Rose wants to come back here because he knows Tibbs is one of a very very small group, and he might be the only guy who will actually give him the opportunity that Derek Rose wants. Derek Rose and Tibbs are firmly planted in 2010. How many coaches and GMs around the NBA do you think, when given the choice between, let's say over the next two to three years, Derrick Rose or Tyus Jones, you're going to give 25 minutes a game to one of those guys. How many GMs slash coaches would legit pick Derrick Rose? And I know that he played pretty well. Like His his crowning achievement in five years is that he wasn't a disaster in a five-game series loss to Houston after, in the playoffs. After the Knicks and Cavs stints, <laughs> Tibbs is the only one. He went a Why can't it just be a su- it was a summer fling. It was a good summer fling. Went, Let it be a summer fling. But he he went and if I'm not mistaken, he also left the Cavs as well to take a leave. And he disappeared from the Knicks. He's not reliable. He wants things his way and he thinks he's still playing as the Derrick Rose who played for the Bulls, which is right now a hundred years ago. I mean, another amazing thing too is you're watching right now, if you if you watch game one of the Eastern Conference Finals. And I keep bringing his name up. I need to stop doing this. Like, I have Brad Stevens' envy, and it's obvious, but... You should pay a small fine every time you do it. Or take a drink. I'd prefer to take a drink, It's a Mackie and Jed drinking game right there, Brad Let's Stevens. Let's put a bottle of something You know who I really like? Brad Stevens. <laughs> Brad Stevens <laughs> is taking a group of 19, 21, 23-year-old kids, possibly to the NBA Finals. Tibbs is either trading or alienating his young players, or just benching them all together, like Tyus Jones in favor of fossils like Derrick Rose. Game 1 Eastern Conference Finals. Jalen Brown, 23-8, and 3-5 of five from downtown, empowered. Now, some of these guys are much higher, like, we're talking lottery picks. I get the Tyus. I'm not putting Tyus Jones in, like, a top-five pick category, but my general point is you can get stuff out of young players if you know what you're doing. Terry Rozier, 8 assists, 6 rebounds, plus 14 yesterday, one of their best scorers in the playoffs. Jason Tatum, 16, 6, and 3 on 6 of 11 from the field. Marcus Smart, like, meanwhile. Nah, and you know what Tibbs nah, is doing right get now? Get rid of all. Tibbs is grinding Get rid film. of all the draft picks. Tibbs and- is grinding film to f- figure out the college kid who's got a good defensive set and will just give him, just come in and grind for him. And then trade him. My biggest fear on behalf of Timberwolves fans and people who want long-term success <laughs> is that this Tom Thibodeau blaze of glory fades out way quicker than anyone thought two years ago. And all you're left with is Carl Anthony Towns. And that's it. That you've traded away all of your young nucleus yeah. and or and just Butler's like hurt or or he's left. And the only thing you're left with yeah. is Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah, that's very possible. Which like, that's a really good piece to be left with. Don't get yeah. me wrong. Well, but, but then compared the question, to what it could have been then, with all those assets. But then I think the question becomes this. Does it make sense as a Wolves fan and the answer from Lots of Bulls fans is yes. Does it make sense as a Bulls fan to see this process expedited by making a change within months, within at least a year? Does it make sense to say, we thought this was going to work? I think we could say beyond a shadow of a doubt. I think we can all say right now that we know one thing for sure. Giving Tibbs this much power was a mistake. Like, let's take away the personality for a second. Let's take away any personal bias that we might have about his actions or things that that we have heard about his actions. 
So let's just go with what we can make a declarative statement about and say, I know this. I know this. I was wrong when I got excited about him being handed full personnel control, and I know now that he was given too much control, and I know from past experiences that's a bad idea. And and the fact that Unless I, I, believe, I believe Greg Popovich and Tom Thibodeau are the only two that have that much power right now in the NBA. So unless so, you think that he's in that category. Also, like if your strategy is to give in 2018 Derrick Rose 20 to 25 to 30 minutes a night in playing time, and you think that team's going to beat the Rockets or the Golden State players, Warriors, man. come likes, on, man. He likes old school. Record players, playing the CD still. He's sort of like me. Yeah, but you're more jovial. I mean, like you're a dark rain cloud, but you're definitely like capable of having a good time once in a while, <laughs> right? That's a that? character for sure. Tips, maybe not. No promo right there. By the way, <laughs> you're more jovial. Lindsey Whalen will join us when we come back.